Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 98, and you're with your High Priest, Akonchu Ray. I am here. I don't know how I am. Um, as some of you know, I've posted uh, feeling a little crook, a bit ordinary lately. I have a bit of a fever, but that does not stop me. Conchu demands reviews. So uh, I'm here with you. Uh, this episode, you probably notice, is coming out a little late, but hopefully not too late. Uh, and uh, it's a special one. We have, as mentioned in our newsletter, two very dedicated loonies um, on board to help with this massive trade arc review. So <laughs> let's get into it. Uh, there's only a little bit of... Um, a little bit of news, uh, so hopefully, again, maybe when this drops on Wednesday, you know, there might be something new, but uh, the main bit of news that did come out was uh, there's a Moon Knight Annual um, in the Acts of Evil uh, series or crossover across the annuals, and our boy Mooney gets his time in the sun or in the moon. Uh, he will be facing off against Kang, Kang the Conqueror. Now, those of you who maybe are unaware of the um, the previous event, which happened in the I think it was in the eighties, late eighties, mid, mid to late eighties, was the Acts of Vengeance. This was an awesome um, like event that ran across all the titles, and what it basically did was pit uh, super villains against uh, heroes who they wouldn't normally kind of encounter so it seems that acts of evil is pretty much in the same ilk and we have moon knight fighting kang it's going to be pretty interesting to see how he goes against old kang the conqueror uh you know kang's not exactly street level (laughs) he's uh he transcends time and he uh he's a cosmic Wayfarer, I believe. Uh, so he's a pretty big deal, but that hasn't stopped Mooney before. So, um, so that will be something to definitely look out for. Uh, let me just pull up the uh, so the Acts of Evil annual uh, annuals kind of kick off in July of this year. There's three of them, Miss Marvel annual, she goes up against the Super Skrull. There's the Punisher annual, he goes up against the Brood Queen, that will be very interesting. And the Venom annual sees Venom against Lady Hellbender. And in August, we then have two annuals, one uh, for Deadpool, and he is against Nightmare, which should be a a pretty cool one, I think. Uh, Deadpool being a little um, unpredictable should be proved to be quite a handful for Nightmare. And She-Hulk, uh, she gets an annual as well, which is great. I mean, she's been off the off the titles for a while, uh, but she comes back uh, in force and she is fighting Bullseye, which that's got to be good as well. Um, although, you know, Bullseye is only uh, human, kind of, so to speak, um, he will give she-Hulk a run for her money. Then in September, we have Ghost Spider uh, versus Arcade. And Arcade seems to be popping up a lot lately. Seems to be a bit of the darling of some of the Marvel writers. Uh, he's currently featured in The Amazing Spider-Man, um, The Hunted, 
um, by an expenser, which is a, a ripping um, arc. If anyone is keen, it's uh, very fun to read. Uh, and then we have Moon Knight, and he, you know, as as mentioned, he versus Kang. And finally, there's Wolverine, and he um, goes up against Morgan Le Fay. Uh, although I do like Wolverine, that one I'm kind of the least excited for. I, I feel he's kind of... In the Marvel Comics Presents, um, although it wasn't Morgan Le Fay, he has come across these magical, mystical... I think it was The Truth um, by Charles Saul. Um, Wolverine kind of goes up against it. So for me, it's not much different there, but, uh, you know, still be picking that one up as well. So that is really the only news at hand uh, for Moon Knight. Now, Loonies, we have a big episode for you so we can't dilly dally about we got to get into it um as mentioned i've got two really dedicated loonies um one josh johnson and the other dustin cold case kurtz and they have provided some reviews for some of the issues of this rather large arc so what we're covering today Uh, And uh, let me just pull up, due to the phase of the moon, of course, uh, as you look into the night sky, you would see a waxing gibbous, and that has decreed that we do a trade arc review. And what we've chosen is a a mid-80s, quite a fun run, very different from comics these days. It's the West Coast Avengers. Uh, It's a a long eight-parter. And uh, it's called Lost in Space and Time. Um, So anyway, without further ado, I am going to uh, throw it to Josh Johnson to kick us off. He does the first two issues. Take it away, Josh. Hey, loonies. This is Josh Geronimo Johnson here, and I'm taking part in summarizing the first two issues of this week's review of Avengers West Coast Lost in Space Time. I'm going to be covering the first two issues, number 17 and 18, and the other two guys, Ray and Dustin, they were going to take the remaining issues. So this story was released in uh, from February to September 1987, Again, ranging from issues number 17 to 24. Uh, written by Steve Englehart. Were Joe Sinnott, Kim DeMolder, Mike Macklin. Colorists were Ken Fidunowitz, Christy Scheel, and Paul Beckton. Letters Janice Chang and Tom Orzakowski. Editor Mark Rumald and Editor-in-Chief Jim Shooter. Uh, and this story is available, you can find it in single issues, or you can find it in a trade paperback. Okay, so, issue number 17, titled Out of Time, released in February 1987. The West Coast Avengers fly out to Albuquerque to try to recruit Firebird as their sixth member. They leave Hank behind, not paying attention to how suicidally despondent he's been. 
When the team gets to Bonita's apartment, they learn that she's been missing for over a month. In the process of searching for more information around town, they're ambushed by a group of villains apparently working for one called Dominus. The flying heart-generating sunstroke claims to be human, using powers of his own devising, but explains that his cohorts, Butte, Gilla, and Cactus, are merely artificial humanoids created by Dominus. The Avengers gang the upper hand, but as they do, a mysterious force being grabs the desert dwellers and whisks them away from the battle. Iron Man tracks them to a base hidden in the mountain in the Arizona desert and recognizes the uniform of the desert dwellers boss inside as belonging to the alien Lucifer. Dominus explains that he won't fail in his inherited mission to enslave the world. To get the Avengers out of the way, as soon as they enter his chamber, Dominus activates the time platform they stepped onto, a damaged version of Doctor Doom's device he found in the desert that can only travel backwards in time. Dominus laughs maniacally, confident that he has trapped the Avengers in the distant past. Meanwhile, Hank Pym spends the day settling accounts preparing to kill himself. Just as he's holding the gun to his head, he's interrupted by the sudden appearance of Bonita, now wearing the identity of Aspirita, who brings him a message of hope from God. And then we move on to issue number 18, titled Lost in Space Time Part 2. Time Was, released in March 1987. The Avengers arrive in the Arizona desert of 1876 and realize their plight. The time platform has come back with them, but it's broken and it can only travel backwards in time. Iron Man thinks he might be able to fix it with parts from another time machine, though as he's looking at it, Wonder Man is trying to horn in to one-up him. The entire team is soon distracted by the sounds of nearby battle involving Hawkeye's old allies, Two-Gun Kid, Rawhide Kid, and the Phantom Rider. The Avengers join up with the Western heroes to take on an alliance of many of their villains, including Iron Mask, Hurricane, Rattler, Red Raven, Dr. Danger, a Fat Man, and the Living Totem. During the successful adventure, Phantom Rider takes a powerful liking to Mockingbird. Wonder Man takes the time platform to Two-Gun uh, blacksmith specialist Boom Boom Brown but they're not able to make much progress on repairing it. Wonder Man then makes the suggestion to go farther back in time specifically to ancient Egypt, uh, ancient Egypt of Ramatut where they can gain access to his own time machine. Hawkeye agrees to the risky proposition though to test their control with a shorter jump Simon first sets the dial back just 100 years. However, just as the platform activates Phantom Rider attacks, knocking out and absconding with Mockingbird before anyone can stop him. Four remaining Avengers are stuck heading back a century. And in the present day, Esperita talks Hank down from a suicide attempt. Okay, so there's the setup for the story of the first two parts. Um, as you can tell in the summary, uh, there's no Moot Knight in any of these issues. He doesn't come in until a little later in the story, but... He is pretty cool when he does show up, but that's not for a couple issues yet. Um, the team that we are dealing with, though, for those who don't know, uh, the members of the West Coast Avengers currently is uh, Iron Man, Wonder Man, Hawkeye, who is the leader, uh, Mockingbird, who is Hawkeye's wife, and Tigra. Um, and then also hanging around with them. He, I don't think he's not an official member, but he's sort of just... 
hanging around in the compound is uh, Hank Pym, who everyone knows was Ant-Man, Giant-Man, Goliath, Yellow Jacket. He's had a multitude of different identities. Um, and I guess that's the first thing I'll talk about, uh, about Hank Pym. He actually goes through a lot of difficult times, and it sort of all culminates to this. Um, uh, a couple months ago, I recorded an episode with Ray, and we talked about uh, the Avengers uh, issue 211 and a couple issues after that. Um, and we talked about sort of Hank's sort of downfall. He really went off the deep end, and he had that infamous moment where he had Janet, and he sort of lost his mind, um, which I thought was a really powerful story and I've kind of have a soft spot for him because you see him go through all these horrible things and he feels bad for it and he still feels that now that those stories came out I think in 81 now this is 87 this is six years afterwards and he's still feeling guilt about everything that he's done not only the stuff that I mentioned but he also <laughs> he created Ultron um and he even goes to say, um, well, yeah, so basically what he does is once the Avengers leave to go do their mission, and Hank is by himself in the compound, and he basically just ultimately decides that he wants to commit suicide. And he is going to go through with it. You go, you go and you see him, he's writing letters out to everyone that he knows, like all of his superhero you know, teammates and former teammates. He just has a stack of just suicide notes written out to everybody. Um, which I, I do think it's kind of interesting that he does write a letter to each person that he sort of cared about or was important to him and not just write just one. You know, he wrote, he wrote one for each individual. Um, and he does have a phone call or a video chat with... Janet Van Dyne, his ex-wife, um, and he sort of just tells her that, you know, he loves her, and sorry, he wasn't a better husband, and that things didn't work out between them, and you really kind of feel bad for him, and it's got to be the first time that I remember seeing a superhero plan to commit suicide, and pretty much I have all of his affairs in order to do it, like, he even goes as far as... Like the the landscaping crew for the Avengers compound, he goes and tells them what he wants done and like the order the order that he wants it done. Like so, the place is kind of kept up, everything like it's kind of crazy. And then uh, cuts to basically the end of issue seventeen. The end is him basically he's sitting you know in his chair and he has a gun to his head and he's about a second away from pulling the trigger. And just as he does it. Um, Firebird, but she's going by a different name now, um, which you'll find that out a little further in the story of why. Um, she's like Leia Spirita, I think is her the name she's going by now, but she arrives and Jesse's is about to kill himself and talks him down. And Hank is sort of like, well, you know, I, I failed at being a hero, you know, four times. Like, I, I'm not made out for this. I'm worthless. 
And she basically Gawain convinces him that no, you're not worthless. You know, you're trying to do this whole superhero thing, but you are a scientist first before you're a superhero. That's who you need to be. That's the Avenger you need to be, the scientist, not the superhero. So I I really like the Hank Pym stuff in this. Like I said, I have a soft spot for this character, and I thought that uh, Steve Englehart really wrote him very well. Okay, so that was Hank Pym stuff, and then we have the Avengers stuff. So the Avengers, they go to, they go to look for Firebird, and then they get involved in this whole thing. Um, the villains that they come across are really lame. <laughs> in in two the two issues that that I just summarized, they fight a a motley crew of really lame villains. Um, the first one, uh, Sunstroke, Gilla. The cactus, come on, that is lame. And Boutte, or just butt because she's lame. Uh, <laughs> it's spelled B-U-T-T-E. So however you pronounce that. Um, but yeah, they're they're really throwaway villains. The, the Avengers, they really take care of them, no problem at all. Uh, oh, and during this whole thing, for some reason, there's a weird feud going on between Wonder Man and Iron Man. Um, basically, Wonder Man has a real ego problem because he's like an actor and a Hollywood star and he thinks that he should be the leader of the West Coast Avengers and he constantly tries to you know, butt in and be in charge even though Hawkeye's in charge and even if Hawkeye wasn't in charge uh, Iron Man would be the leader because he's been the he has seniority. He's been around since the start of the Avengers. So obviously he would be like second in command. Um, so even as the team is trying to take take these lame villains down, uh, Wonder Man is trying to uh, start crap with Iron Man and never really, never really leaves anything, but it's kind of pointless. But I don't know. Just I think Wonder Man just lets his ego Take him, take over him too way too much. Um, let's see. Yeah, and then it's revealed that the uh, all the villains besides uh, Sunstroke are androids, and they are being used by the uh, the vi- main villain. I guess it was Dominus. Well, I guess he was. Uh, there's another villain called Lucifer back in a, way back in an old issue of Iron Man. Basically had the same costume. And they, but they say, oh, it's just a, he's another person who'd use that costume. Um, uh, but we'll find out more about him later on. Uh, and then, yeah, then issue 17 ends with he gets them, all the Avengers, onto a Doctor Doom time machine. And sends him back in time. Uh, I guess uh, <laughs> well, this came out in '87, so I guess uh, Steve Englehart must have been a big Back to the Future fan. And uh, I guess you could say that the reason that we decided to do this story, uh, because if you've seen a certain movie come out recently, 
there's a similar uh, movie plot that uses uh, this. So that's sort of why we decided to do this story. Um, yeah, but then, so the Avengers, yeah, so they get whisked back in time to 1876. And so they're trying to figure out what's going on, where they're at, because they, they initially they have no idea that where they're at. And when they're out in the desert, luckily they just happen to be in the same place where uh, the Rawhide Kid, the Two-Gun Kid, and the Phantom Rider happen to be. Luckily they happen to be right around the hill top from where they're at. They are, uh, I guess they're attacking a stagecoach caravan run by some of their villains. Um, for those who don't know, these characters, the Rawhide Kid, and then the Two-Gun Kid, uh, and I think the Phantom Riders, but basically uh, before and during the Marvel like boom of the early 60s, um, before superhero comics really got gained more popularity, uh, Marvel did Western stories too. Um, and two of the titles that they did were the Rawhide Kid and the Two-Gun Kid. So these aren't new characters. They've been around for you know decades beforehand. So this is kind of cool. This is kind of a, a cool tie-in because they don't really appear in the modern day. They're, they only take place back in the, the 1800s. So you can't really see them interact with the Marvel heroes too much. I think they, were, they do reference a uh, another story when they do. but So every so often. Um, so that's kind of cool to see uh, heroes interact with these other characters. Um, and the Phantom Rider was uh, was the initial Ghost Rider. That's what he was known as. He's not the Ghost Rider that we know. Um, they changed his name when they first introduced Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider. Because um, he, yeah, he was the Phantom, or the Ghost Rider, and then the Knight Rider, and then they changed him to Phantom Rider. Um, so they all go team up and they all go and take on, I guess, some of the, some of those Western heroes, villains, um, who are also super, super lame, (laughs) um, like Iron Mask and Fat Man, uh, I can't even remember the other ones because they're so forgettable, Red Raven, uh, Hurricane, the Rattler, I mean, I guess they're basically Western supervillains. You can understand them, like, being the antagonists for, like, cowboy superheroes, but I think they're super freaking lame. And, obviously, they all get their asses handed them by the Avengers. Um, yeah, they just get beat up. Iron Man rips off Red Raven's wings, and, yeah, they end up take they end up just taking them to the... Uh, just to the sheriff's office, like, they, again, they, they beat him real easily. Um... Yeah, and then Wonder Man takes the time machine to the blacksmith, who was, his name is Boom Boom Brown. Now, even though this came out in 1987, so, uh, obviously, like I said before, I made the Back to the Future joke. This ironically predates Back to the Future 3, where, spoilers, I guess, <laughs> When Doc Brown goes, gets accidentally gets sent back to 1885, 
and he becomes a blacksmith. You know, Doc Brown becomes a blacksmith. In here, you have Boom Boom Brown, who is a blacksmith, and he and Wonder Man tries to get him to fix a time machine. So I find that a little ironic, and I very funny because I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. Uh, anyway, so they real they discover that. Uh, the, the time machine is broken, so they can only go backwards in time. They can't go to the, they can't go back to the future. Um, they can only go backwards because the time machine is broken somehow. In reality, what they could have done is just went back to California, waited nine years, and just hitched a ride back with Marty McFly. But uh, they decided not to do that. Um, but anyway, so then they come up with the idea. Wonder Man suggests that, oh, we should we should go back to the time of the uh, in ancient Egypt because Rama Tut is a version of Kang the Conqueror, who, if you know, is deals all with all kinds of time travel. So they figure that if they go back to there, they have to then they can. Hitch, they can use that to hitch a ride back to present day. Um, but in order to test it, they want to make sure that they're able to go back a decent chunk of years. So they go back to uh, they go back a hundred years. So they're going to go back to 1776. And so they are on the platform, and they are ready to go. And as they're sort of charging up, the Phantom Rider who up to this point has pretty much been silent. He's sort of like, he's just there. He like, he does fighting, but he doesn't talk at all. He's very mysterious. Um, and he's sort of kind of like how you sort of perceive Moon Knight. He even sort of look, looks like him. He's covered in all white. Uh, but anyway, so he's, yeah, he takes up sort of a liking for Mockingbird. And as they're about to, as the time machine is sort of booting up to go back uh, another hundred years, uh, the Phantom Rider comes and clocks Mockingbird in the face and throws uh, her on his horse and keeps her trapped in 1876 while, while the uh, rest of the Avengers get whisked back to 1776. So uh, at this point, we're going to have three different timelines going on. Uh, you're going to have the Avengers again, 1776, Mockingbird, who's trapped with the Phantom Rider uh, in 1876, also with Two-Gun Kid and Rawhide Kid. Um, and then also you have Hank Pym and Firebird in the modern, present time, 1987, uh, doing their thing. So you have three branching storylines for now. <laughs> Uh, until you get to the other issues, so yeah, so that's pretty much where the uh, where these the setup for the story pretty much ends. Um, I don't really have much to say about. It. I think the the art is pretty good. Al Milgram is the penciler uh, for the whole the whole story. Um, he's worked on a whole bunch of things. He's worked on almost uh, probably almost every major title. As something, whether it's a, a penciler, an anchor, or a writer, um, he wrote my my favorite arc of all time, the Round Robin that we have covered on the podcast. Um, yeah, his art is always you know really good. 
uh, let's see. Oh, and the anchor inking is done by Joe Sennett, who is you know legendary. Um, he's worked on stuff all the way back since the you know the golden days of Marvel back in the you know early '60s, inking over you know Jack Kirby. Um, let's say oh, and, and yeah, it is a good. It is, I think it's a good setup for this story. Um, it's gonna obviously branch off into a lot of different uh, stories going on as the story progresses. So I think Steve Englehart did a pretty top-notch job with the writing. Uh, kind of keeping all everything sort of straight. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much all for the first two issues. Um, up next, uh, your High Priest Ray is going to cover issues uh, 19 through 21. All right. So with that, uh, take it away, Ray. Thanks, Josh. Johnson for those uh, reviews of the first two issues. Uh, hello, loonies. This is High Pressure Contru Ray. I am looking after issues 19 through to 21. So, for issue 19, uh, part three, the time of their lives, we have Hawkeye. Iron Man, Tigra, and Wonder Man end up in the Arizona region of 1776, and Clint is in the midst of panic at Phantom Rider grabbing Mockingbird away at the last second, stranding her a hundred years in the future. The others calm him down, reminding him that Bobby can take care of herself, and that their best hope is reaching their destination to get a properly functioning time machine. Uh, and then rescue her without time as an issue. Before they can worry about that, they're ambushed by a cavalry of Spanish soldiers. During the ensuing battle, Wonder Man pulls a stunt of grabbing a bunch of the soldiers' guns and crushing them in his invulnerable arms. But this causes an explosion uh, that the not-so-invulnerable Hawkeye gets caught up in, injuring him badly. The Avengers flee to a nearby cave but not unseen. A Spanish visionary named Carlota Valdez follows them and offers them medicine, bearing no ill will to them despite the assumption that they represent English spies. Hawkeye starts to recognize Carlota and her stories as the woman from Firebird's vision, and upon questioning, um, she reveals she has had similar visions of Firebird Esperita and uh, of people that looked much like the Avengers. Hawkeye doesn't want to tell her everything he knows, particularly about how Firebird's vision suggests she's about to die, but he gets an idea of how to take advantage of meeting with Benita's ancestor. He breaks off um, the head of an inkjet arrow to write a message on a shredded cloth. Benita, we are lost in time. Contact FF. Tell them we're trying for Ramatut's Egypt, Hawkeye, and has Carlotta keep the message somewhere safe. In 1876, as chance would have it in the same cave, Phantom Rider 
uh, rider brews a special Comanche herbal potion to administer to the unconscious mockingbird. So when she awakes, she forgets all about who she was and only knows that she loves the rider as much as he loves her. Rawhide Kid and Two-Gun Kid are tracking him down to bring him to justice, and now with Mockingbird on his side, Phantom Rider defeats them. As Slade and Bobby prepare to head out to a new hiding place, Bobby trips on the discarded old inkjet arrowhead in the cave and feels something is familiar about it. She decides to keep it as a souvenir. And back in the present, Esperita gets Hank to work through his depression by having him demonstrate the use of his pim particles, which starts to remind him of the stimulation he finds in science. And as they call it a day, they walk by Benita's family bible, which she brought with her from home on her visit to the um, West Coast Avengers compound. As they pass by, they fail to notice the cloth sticking out of the pages uh, with a certain message written in English. So that was 19. Now, issue 20, shortly after that. In 1776, the Avengers fly from the American West towards Egypt, but first make a stopover in Philadelphia to get Hawkeye some medical attention following his injuries in the previous issue. Since it's July of that year, they just barely miss Doctor Strange and Clear, hanging out with Benjamin Franklin. They continue on across the Atlantic Ocean and over Europe until they reach the Sphinx in Egypt. They clash briefly with Ottoman soldiers that are amassed there for some reason while Wonder Man sets up the time platform. And soon enough they jump back to 2920 BC and are immediately attacked by the Egyptian soldiers there preparing for the pharaoh's burial rites. The latest skirmish is ended when the pharaoh's high priest Shemaz recognises the Avengers as time travellers and is able to talk to them in English. Shemaz explains that the pharaoh will be entering suspended animation the next day and that he destroyed his own time machine 17 years earlier. He reluctantly lets them in uh, into the pyramid to talk to the pharaoh, but as Ramatut is preparing his mind for suspended anima- animation by entering a trance, he isn't very coherent or helpful. He only mutters that he might uh, find more help during his first reign. Hawkeye is growing increasingly frustrated negotiating their way through in spite of his injuries and starts to collapse from fever. His teammates assure him that they can get through on his behalf and that he should rest. Clint relents and assigns Iron Man as interim chairman just before falling unconscious, which irks Wonder Man who has been competing with Tony for status. They activate the time platform once more to jump back to 2940 BC, when they are immediately shot by the uh, nefarious Ramatut. In August of 1776, a month after parting ways with the Avengers, Colotta Valdez is travelling across California with her mission when her coach is attacked by Indians. She joins the battle but gets shot in the back. Before she dies, she makes her chaperone promise to guard the message she took from Hawkeye. In 1876, Phantom Rider takes Mockingbird back to Lincoln Slade's hometown of Lordsburg to start a new life with her. As she changes into her new local dress, 
she decides to wear the old arrowhead she found as a necklace, a choice that Slay doesn't know um, that to make of since he recognises the head as something Hawkeye would use. While they settle in, Rawhide Kid and Two-Gun Kid are still on their trail. And in the present day, Esperita continues to help Hank rekindle his passion for science by having him go over his expertise in robotics, a subject that Hank isn't as eager to get back into. As they head uh, to the lab, they again just barely miss Hawkeye's message peeking out of the pages of Benita's Bible. And then finally, uh, in issue 21, which I'll cover, we finally get a bit of Moon Knight. And uh, in Egypt, 2940 BC, the evil Ramatut has shot the Avengers with a paralyzing ray. Somehow, despite their costumes and varied appearance, you can't tell the difference between them uh, and Egyptian natives to that time, and just accuses them of being rebel slaves. Confident they will die from his weapon, he has them taken to a nearby temple for burial. The temple they arrive at happens to be one dedicated to Konshu. While they lie paralysed on the temple floor, the feverish Hawkeye has a vision in which he comes face to face with Konshu, who explains that he aims for vengeance against Ramatut and will use the Avengers as his agents, that his hypnotic influence kept Rama from recognising them as non-natives. Hawkeye pleads his case for some extra divine intervention. He wants to return to his own time, but Conchu's methods can't be too direct. Instead, Conchu agrees to help deliver a message to someone from their time that can help. The Avengers come to, and uh, and Hawkeye's fever breaks. His burns even mysteriously healed. Clint voices his thanks to a nearby statue of Konshu just before the temple's blind priests enter the room to offer their help in their god's mission against the pharaoh. In 1876, Mockingbird is starting to shake off the effects of Phantom Rider's potion just as Rawhide Kid and Two-Gun Kid catch up with their trail. When Bobby is alone, Two-Gun confronts her dressed as Hawkeye, hoping to jostle her memories. She fights him at first, but one more look at the arrowhead necklace she's wearing brings it all flooding back. She rides off with Rawhide and Two-Gun wanting to kill Phantom Rider for what he did to her. In 1776, Carlotta Valdez's funeral ends with her parents and chaperone deciding to return to Mexico along with her Bible. Seventy years later, 1847, um, Ciudad Corazon, a young Isabel Ramirez enters the local mission wanting to read the Bible on the altar. The Padre forbids peasants' uh, hands from touching it, but she sneaks a look anyway. When she finds the English note inside, she's hit with a vision that prompts her to steal the Bible back for her own family. And in the present day, Moon Knight is hit with a sudden vision of Conchu that drives him to have Frenchie fly him to, to California as soon as possible. At Avengers Compound, Hank and Esperita put the finishing touches on a new robotic creation, Rover, a flying mini-vehicle with an AI of a talking dog, a solution that Hank hopes will make up for his previous mistakes in creating killer robots. He also tests out his new, more practical application for PIM particles, shrinking and storing inanimate objects, like tools and weapons, rather than hazardously... Um, to his own body. 
With these new innovations, Hank Pym is ready to return to adventuring, not as a costumed superhero, but as plain-clothed Dr. Pym. He and Benita share a passionate kiss to celebrate his new lease on life. And back in New Mexico, Dominus wonders if he's truly seen the end of the Avengers. Yes, so, uh, rather lengthy synopses there, but um, basically running the gamut of those three issues. Um, I'd like to start on basically the last one, issue 21. We finally get to see a bit of Moon Knight um, in this zany West Coast Avengers story. So what I really did enjoy about this was the use of Conchu, um and to a, a lesser extent, I guess, Moon Knight in, in the issue. But... Um, yeah, the 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 way that Conchu was used um, against Ramatut uh, was very cool, and the visuals of of Conchu speaking to Hawkeye um, with all those multicolored little little moons, I guess, um, was a really cool touch. Um, so it actually gives us a little bit more of a sense of the power of Conchu here. So. We know Konshu um, kind of shielded or, or created an illusion uh, to Ramatut about the Avengers uh, and made him think that they were just like Egyptian natives, um, which were pretty, which was a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool touch. Uh, and I like how he bargains here with with Hawkeye as well. So um, very. Um, very cool introduction of Konshu. Uh, we do see Moon Knight towards the end, uh, and he's very much in the Fist of Konshu guys, I guess, with his gold um, bracelets and belts. Uh, and, well, he, he throws... He's got his scarabs and, and darts and, and stuff. So he's very much from the um, Zelenets, I think, Warner Day, uh, and Warner Run, uh, Fist of Konshu, the limited edition. Uh, but yeah, he also has a bit of a, a wake-up call here, a bit of a connection to Konshu. Um, so, uh, again, I like the use of of how Konshu, the deity, uh, is used to, I guess, communicate with Moon Knight um, about the West Coast Avengers... Uh, peril um so yeah i mean pretty much from the three issues that i read uh that that i'm covering now um this is the first kind of and and we do get a a very good um kind of intro to moon knight as well uh in the last few pages of of issue 21 like he again, he takes care of these um, people, these art thieves, uh, and all very well, well handled. He uses all of his gadgets there. Uh, he's got his scarab, scarab beetles, and as I mentioned, uh, they look like just straight out blades. Um, and he's got his bolo as well. He trips someone up, and then there's a bit of a trope of someone running in the distance, and he throws something at them. And uh, he knocks them out, but yeah. Um, so you get you get a nice little action sequence of Moon Knight again. Uh, 
but yeah, his connection with Conchu and having seen Conchu earlier on bargain with Hawkeye was um was a very was a very cool touch. Uh, now going into so this arc it's got so many things going on on uh, at the same time it's um let's look at uh i'd like to look at the um the mockingbird phantom rider um i guess thread uh now this is being quite infamous i guess in in comic book reading the fact that Bobby Morse is is basically drugged and uh, kept against her will and made to do, you know to love this guy Phantom Rider it's a pretty creepy thing um, that the Phantom Rider does. Um, funny though because you know at the very beginning um, I'm sure Josh would have mentioned it uh, like the introduction of the Phantom Rider with. Um, the rawhide kid and the two gun kid, um, they were older, um, I guess, Marvel characters, um, like the Western cowboy kind of influenced um, thing. I mean, this whole this whole arc has a bit of that as well. It's a bit of a, a hark back to the old Western um, comics. There's a Nice little origin, I guess, tale of the Phantom Rider, um, which we see as he kind of reminisces, um, as he gives the, the love potion to, to Mockingbird. Uh, so you get a bit of an origin there. He kind of has a bit of Moon Knight going about about him in the fact that, you know, I guess, you know, just all dressed in white. Uh, he seems to lurk in the shadows as well uh has a very spectral um presence to him um yeah but uh anyway there's this one uh there's this one bit here gosh it's it's in issue 19 um where bobby wakes up from drinking the potion and she says oh i love you and he he just clutches her and says the potion's worked I'm saved. Uh, it's just very I don't know it's very weird. <laughs> anyway, um, having said that, uh, I do like the uh, connection what we get here. So both of them in, in two different timelines, as it all gets really kind of so many things. A uh, hundred years uh, before, um, so in seventeen seventy six, we have Hawkeye. We have all the Avengers: Hawkeye, Tiger, Iron Man, and Wonder Man in the cave, uh, just trying to, I don't know, just trying to help Hawkeye because he he got massively injured because of Wonder Man's stupidity. Anyway, uh, so in that cave, for some reason they they've this. Spanish woman you know, decides to trot on over because she, you know, saw them fighting. And uh, so she comes over anyway. Uh, and she happens to be connected to Firebird. Um, and 
Anyway, this cave, it's funny because I like the touch how Hawkeye uses his inkjet arrow, uh, and a hundred years later, um, Bobby finds it uh, when she and Phantom Rider are in there. So, um, so that was a that was also a pretty good touch. Uh, look, the other um, thread is Hank Pym, and and I know Josh will probably speak more about it. He, uh, you know, about Pym. Um, frankly, I, apart from the the dated, I guess, use of dialogue uh, and depiction of of of, uh, of Hank Pym being depressed and and suicidal. Apart from that kind of weird thing to, to say, I, I don't know. Is um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Firebird, she she doesn't have the most inspiring costume. I don't find her the most interesting character. Um, and <clears throat> and that rover at the end, that that artificial robotic dog. Uh, it was just way too corny for me. So um, I know she has quite an integral role in in this whole arc because uh, she's had visions of Carlotta and oh, what uh, you know um, and and all that. But um, yeah. But anyway, seeing seeing their development and you know at the end they they kiss because. They've gone through so much together. Um, she's managed to turn Hank around the corner, uh, and for him to see his own worth again. Um, yeah, I don't know. I found it. I find it the least interesting out of the. Um, yeah, out of all the the, um, the story threads running concurrently. Uh, if anything, we do get to see uh, towards the end of issue twenty-one uh, the final iteration of uh, of Doctor Pym. So no longer Ant Man, Goliath, um, or Yellow Jackets. Uh, he is now Doctor Pym, and <clears throat> and that's where you'll probably see a lot of uh, Hank Pym just in his civilian clothes. He's no longer a, a, a costumed hero, but he uses his mind more than anything um, to, um, you know, to aid his his superhero friends. Uh, yeah. Also, what else have we got here? Um, other things I wanted to mention. Uh, yeah. Also, there's this running. Um, competition between Iron Man and Wonder Man. Um, I do like how Englehart has them. Um, you, you constantly hear the bubbles, see the bubbles, um, their thoughts, and uh, what they really kind of think of each other, and um, I guess the, the mounting frustration that they have. and um, Basically, it's a bit of an ego, both of them, a bit of a, an ego trip. So... Um, <clears throat> That was always quite interesting to see. I I really, you know, I kind of like Wonder Man as an Avenger. Um, I I was unaware of his kind of personality back in this time. Uh, I'm more familiar with him in his black and red costume. 
Uh, I know he's had a fair few along the way. Um, so, yeah, more in his 90s um, phase. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely coming across a little bit of a... As a bit of a dick here, so um, very much an Iron Man player um, between the two uh, in this arc. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of historical um, things that go go um, the Avengers kind of go through. Uh, I there was that really cool thing as well. I loved it. Uh, Benjamin Franklin. That's it. Where are they? They. Um, July 1776, uh, so the Avengers touch down, <clears throat> and they leave Hawkeye in a in an alleyway, um, delirious, but yeah, we see Doctor Strange and Clea uh, talking with Benjamin Franklin, and this is awesome, because uh, I've read a lot of the older Doctor Strange stuff, and, and this ties in exactly with uh, one of its arcs as well, where... Um, where they do meet up with Benjamin Franklin. So I loved how this kind of crossed over, um, albeit very fleeting. Uh, it, was, it was a nice touch. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, just kind of flicking through here again. Uh, they're still all, all on their way to... Um... Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, we'll get to that later, but... <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, there's a little bit confusing here. With I found this quite confusing, but I guess Rama Ramatut is just he seemed to be talking gibberish. Um, I couldn't really make sense of it, but I guess that's the whole idea. So bouncing back to uh, Mockingbird and Phantom Rider, um, towards the end of twenty one. Bobby finally kind of shakes off the the love potion, and uh, she gets some really cool help here from um, Two Gun Kid or Rawhide Kid. I, I can't remember which which one's which, uh, but one of them dresses up as Hawkeye, a bit of a make makeshift costume, uh, and he tries to prompt some memories that she has within of her husband or ex husband. Um, and uh yeah anyway so before this anyway i think um bobby has kind of i don't know subconsciously figured this out um and she runs away from phantom rider so um so i think phantom rider obviously knows something's amiss uh now but um it's good to see that Mockingbird finally, more slowly, uh, returns to um, to normal. I'm just having a look here. Sorry, she's she's battling um, the pseudo Hawkeye here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she must have like she's got that ink inkjet arrowhead that she's tied around her her necklace, uh, her neck as a necklace. Uh, so deep down she she had remembered to some extent of her past life uh, and it's all coming back to her now so uh so i guess in the later issues we'll see what will happen to phantom rider i guess dustin will take us through that um he has a bit of a, a reckoning to um 
to have thrust upon him. Um, yeah, and uh, well, I mean, we return to kind of the beginning there. What I was mentioning about uh, about the Conchu, the introduction of Conchu and um, and Moon Knight being brought into the fray. So it'll be quite interesting to see uh, what will happen. I think Moon Knight's obviously going to, I'm assuming, going to either contact the Fantastic Four to help them or he's going to do, I don't know, he can't time travel. I don't know what's going to happen. But anyway, it makes for very interesting uh, next few issues. And there's Frenchie as well. Um, go get him, Frenchie. He's going good. Uh, yeah, and this other thing. So I'd like to mention again, just finally, as we finish off, uh, the the Rover. Yeah, this is pure ham. It's um, <laughs> it looks like a I don't know. It looks like a something from a kids show. Uh, it's a two seater got two bubbles as eyes it looks like it pretty much looks like an ant head um but it's more more like uh it's meant to be more like a dog i'm assuming um firebird even says i thought you were going to call it the pinmobile <laughs> not rover actually i think the pinmobile would be even better um but anyway um yeah, it has also a VTOL mode, which I didn't know was vertical takeoff and landing mode. Very, very uh, technical. Uh, and it, it's, uh, it can do things like uh, it flies, it shoots flames, acid or gases. Isn't that handy? Uh, it climbs it has grappling grappling capabilities and there's a picture here of it um grappling a car which looks like go-go gadget arms coming out of it so uh very over the top kind of robotic but anyway that's um as mentioned the big thing here is um is dr pym is is the yeah the formation of, of uh, the new identity of Hank Pym, which is just Dr. Pym. Um, and as I mentioned, he's pretty much seen in civilian gear from now on. Uh, yeah, so that um, that covers this uh, these three issues. Sorry, it was all a bit of a jumble. <laughs> and, uh, and my head's a little bit of a jumble too. So um, very three entertaining issues there uh, i will now hand it over to a dustin cold case kurtz to take us through the final three issues hello loonies this is dustin here to review west coast avengers volume 2 number 22 23 and 24 um, finishing up the arc that Ray and Josh also reviewed before me. Um, you know, Ray was kind enough to ask me to come on and help out with this, uh, pretty massive arc here. So, uh, let's just, let's go get into it and we'll start off with, 
uh, West Coast Avengers Volume 2, number 22. Let's see. So, writer was Steve Englehart. Uh, penciler was Al Mil- Milgram. Inker was Kim DeMolder. Colorist was Christy Scheel. Letterer was Tom Orzachowski. Editor wa- and editor was Mark Gruenwald. Now, this issue is called... Lost in Space Time Part 6, The Sands of Time. In 1876, Mockingbird Two-Gun Kid and Rawhide Kid ride into Lordsburg looking for Lincoln Slade. The Phantom Rider is already onto them, however, and lures them out into his territory where he can fight them using all his illusionary tricks. Mockingbird sees through all of them easily, and together with Rawhide and Two-Gun, they force Phantom Rider to run. In 2940 BC, the priests of Khonshu direct the revived Avengers to a hidden path to Ramatut's base. Inside, they catch a glimpse of Doctor Strange, also visiting the time frame for dubious reasons. But they're soon too busy fighting Rama's guard robots to help Strange deal with his own robots. They also spot monitor screens showing Rama tormenting a young Fantastic Four. With their fellow time travelers just out of reach, the Avengers instead focus on what they came for, the time machine parts, to help them return to their own time. Unfortunately, they're so besieged by Ramatut's defenses that they're unable to gain anything useful before the concurrent adventures end with the facility being destroyed and every other time traveler leaving without noticing them. In 1917, Mexico, uh, in 1917, Mexico, a much older Isabel Ramirez shows her granddaughter, Cheetah, the family Bible she had hidden in a tree after stealing it back from the local church. While she's revealing the Bible, a nearby rope bridge collapses, endangering a boy named Benito Juarez. Isabel pulls the boy to safety, though the strain, strain causes her own heart to give out. Cheetah decides to honor her grandmother by cherishing the Bible that was her inspiration. And in the present day, Hank and Benita returned to Avengers Compound from taking Rover out for a spin, only to be greeted by a trespassing Moon Knight. Hank takes the opportunity to try out his combat skills using the resized gimmicks in his pockets, but Moon Knight isn't there to mess around. He's there to point them to the conspicuous note hidden between the pages of Benita's family Bible. Finally realizing that the other Avengers are lost in time, they race to contact the Fantastic Four, but find they're too late. Reed Richards explains that Dominus's desert dwellers had already arrived and destroyed their time platform. So, I I really like this issue. This, um... It was not my favorite. This is maybe my second favorite of the entire uh, arc. Um, I just I, Doctor Strange was in it. I, I do love me some Doctor Strange, and it's just the colors were really good. The arts on you know on spot and the cover. I love the cover. It's just the cover is this Doctor Strange coming is like in his ethereal form coming out of this coffin thing. While the West Coast Avengers are fighting Rama Tut's robots on the left, and the Fantastic Four are fighting Rama Tut's uh, Rama Tut, I guess, on the right, and he's just kind of like popping out. Uh, it's just, it's a really cool cover. Um, and I just let me let me see if there's some specific parts that I liked specifically. <laughs> um, yeah, the whole art, the whole story with Mockingbird and. Um, What's his name? Phantom Rider. I, that, that I really enjoy that little arc that goes through with like um, her time period. I guess her like uh, you know he's like you know Captain Incel and he's you know drugs her and kidnaps her and she like 
basically has to find out that she's not you know supposed to be with him and it's 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 sort of tropey but it's still fun to read i enjoyed you know all that and there was some stuff that did confuse me a little bit um the part where the priests of Kanshu show the avengers this tunnel they built into ramatut's complex and they just so happen to have a map that leads everyone through without activating any of the traps now, I believe in the previous issue it mentions that the priests are blind. So, I'm not sure where they got this map, or maybe Kanshu gave it to him. I don't know. Um, they don't really elaborate on that. But, yeah, yeah well, it is what it is. Um, I thought it was kind of morbidly funny when, um, uh, what's it? Benito's, uh, was it Benito? Oh, no, it's, uh, that Benito's the kid. The, uh, old woman, um, why am I blanking her name? Uh, she like, when she rescues the kid, she's like ah, and dies of a heart attack. Like, is is very comical, but like still tragic because the woman died. But uh, it's just, um, yeah. I've never I, I I haven't read a lot of West Coast Avengers, but I this is actually the first of West Coast Avengers I've ever read. I didn't I don't have much experience with them, but I actually this is for my first read. This is really really fun. Um, I like, you know, Hank Pym's little redemptive arc. He, he, he has this really low, low in the beginning of the arc and he, he comes back and he's super high at the end. He's got his little like rover thing. He's flying around. Um, that was fun. And I Moon Knight's appearance in here when he, he just says, I hop the fence, you know, and I'm in it. And then he has a, immediately has a fight with Hank Pym, which is very Moon Knight. I, I just, that was a lot of a cool fight very nice um and then he just uh says yep i got my you know i got this note for you Kanchu told me to i did my thing hope you're happy Kanchu. i think that's what he said yeah he says delivered your message message Kanchu. i hope you're happy <laughs> so uh it's just like he's this little, little servant boy he's gotta um you know do whatever Kanchu says <laughs> so i thought that was pretty good um another one other part i really liked to this issue is when um Doctor Strange gets back into his uh, human form and he meets this woman that apparently Doctor Strange is a player in ancient Egypt because he just has this woman and just says, yep, yeah, you'll get over me and then just leaves her because she was like, oh, I love you. <laughs> it's, it's just, uh, it's just, he's, he loves them and leaves them, I guess. Doctor Strange. Um, I don't think I'll ever get over Wonder Man's eyes. They just, they become this weird red color and it's like very, very creepy looking to me. I don't know what it is. I've never, I don't think I've ever read any Wonder Man, so he, I guess he does that normally, I don't know, it's, I don't know what that is, but it's, it's really weird, it's like he's, I don't know, like someone, he's like stabbed him in the eyes or something, it's like bloodshot red. <laughs> um, gosh, what else, anything else to mention? Uh, I think I got everything with what, uh everything for this issue yeah I think I'll move on to the next one though so let's move on to West Coast Avengers volume 2 number 23 now this one uh, the writer again was Steve Englehart penciler was Al Milgram inker was Romeo Tangahall colorist was Christy Scheel excuse me letterer was Tom Orzachowski 
and editor was Mark Gruenwald. In the present, Hank Pym, Esperita, and Moon Knight take Rover all the way to New York to the headquarters of the Fantastic Four. There they examine the wreckage of the time machine destroyed by the Dominus. Hank and Reed begin putting the pieces back together while the Thing lugs heavy chunks of machinery all over the place. In 2940 BCE, the Avengers now have only one chance left to get home, Doctor Strange. But first, they must fight through another legion of soldiers loyal to Ramatut. The priests of Khonshu and those formerly enslaved by Rama assist the Avengers in their battle, and they battle their way from Ramatut's court back to the Sphinx. By the time they get through all of this, though, they learn that Doctor Strange has already escaped and returned home. But Hawkeye still succeeded in keeping his promise to Khonshu by aiding in the overthrow of Ramatut. By delaying Rama's guards from imprisoning Doctor Strange's body, they allowed Strange to separate his astral self and use his magic to transform the thing back to a human, allowing him to slip free of his bonds and free the rest of the Fantastic Four, at which point the Fantastic Four first Ram- forced Ramatut to flee into the time stream. In 1876, Mockingbird decides to track down the Night Rider alone. Racing on a horse through a perilous rainstorm, she finds the rider floating above Spirit Peak. She begins fighting him, but the rider continues to profess his love to her. Mockingbird batters him back with her battle staves, forcing him over the cliff's edge. The Knight Rider manages to grip onto the edge of the cliff and begs Mockingbird to rescue him. Bobby has plenty of time to save the Knight Rider's life, but chooses to let, let him lose his grasp and fall to his death. The decision will haunt her for many months to come. In the present, back in, oh, back in the present, Hank and Reed complete the repairs on the time machine, along with Moon Knight and, the, and Esperia. They travel back in, to ancient Egypt in the year 2940 BCE. They pick up the rest of the Avengers and then travel forward to Lordsburg, New Mexico in 1876 to pick up Mockingbird. One final trip forward through time and everyone is finally home, and it was all because of Hawkeye's enduring 200-year-old note. So, this one, I... I you know, I think this one was my favorite. Um, yeah, I'm really glad I got to review these three because this is these three were definitely my favorite of the arc, and I, I gotta say, I, I think this was my favorite. The cover is amazing. Cover is it's Mockingbird with Phantom Rider clinging to this cliff, and she's like got her stave, and uh, the 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 West Coast Avengers are like these weird lightningy silhouettes looking going in horror, and it says vengeance cr- vengeance cries the Mockingbird. It's in lightning in the background and rain. It's just a very, you know, cinematic, uh, intense scene there. It's very, it's got a lot of purple in it. I just, I just love this cover. Um, and then the first page has this thing they're doing with the arc where they split every single timeline up and show everything. And now the time is split into seven. And I just, I've like this whole arc of like these little splits they've been doing. It's it, it. You think it'd be convoluted and get complicated, but it, it they've managed to hold it together. Um. Uh, what other part did I like? Uh. uh oh, <laughs> this part I liked is when uh. Uh, Reed Richards says to Moon Knight, um, he had that he had a theory that his powers came from an Egyptian god, and Moon Knight basically says. Um, I have a theory that you can shut the hell up, basically. <laughs> uh, he was like, I have a theory that exposing secrets to the light of day robs them of their powers, Dr. Richards. And <laughs> it just, that made me laugh. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, there's a lot of funny moments in this, you know, and, and 
especially with like the hey, this this gets pretty dark in the beginning so the comedy and it's pretty good that they make it a little light and time and stuff like when the thing trips with his <laughs> his like giant machinery he's carrying and almost kills everybody and then hank pym saves them all with his uh his uh what's, what's it called a brace his 30 ton brace that he makes up here um and yeah oh and the part where uh the <laughs> They uh, they anger the rich people in the village, and they have the rich people are trying to take out the Avengers, and um, they have to stop them. But they're not trying to kill them. So, but he's <laughs> it's just it's funny that they, uh, they 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 upset the aristocracy of the the ancient Egyptian <laughs> culture, and uh, that was pretty cool. Um, then then this it's really prevalent in this one with the uh, the Wonder Man Iron Man like fight thing that's been going on throughout this entire arc this little tension between the two of them it I, that's been pretty good i like that it's like iron man is like this this upstart young avenger is trying to take my place what is this <laughs> and it usually is like tiger breaks them up um and they're always fight, they're always arguing right in the middle of a fight like they don't have more important things to deal with but eh, that is what it is um that was uh that was pretty uh i like that the whole um, little storyline there, which I'm assuming continues after this arc. Um, oh, and the, this in this one we find out that Hawkeye um, created Moon Knight's you know tools that he got from Conchu, you know, which, you know thousands of years before he actually got them. Which I thought I've I've heard that before, but this is the first time I've ever read that. Which you know, it's really cool to see. You know, it's just like I always I've always heard about Hawkeye. He went back in time and he wrote the note and all this stuff, but now I'm getting to read it and then uh we get this cool um recap of his backstory uh moon knight's backstory which is uh pretty cool i like the little moon knight head that tells it throughout the whole thing it's pretty funny <laughs> um and uh yeah and then, oh and then this is my favorite part is the part with mockingbird and phantom rider when she uh you know she fights him on this like rain covered uh cliff and it's like lightning in the background and she she like knocks him over and He's uh, she has probably one of my favorite lines of the entire series when he's drank you know he's a uh, hang dangling there on the cliff about to fall he's like please please you know help me help me and she just says drop dead and he falls to his death and as soon as it happens that's when uh is that when they come back oh and he screams mockingbird all the way down apparently uh you know sorry buddy she doesn't want you she wants Hawkeye um. What else did I like? Oh, I, 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 the rover. I've liked the rover. The little it has it talks and it has like an AI, but he didn't make it smart, so it didn't become like Ultron. Uh, and it, it's pretty funny. I like the little uh, the little dialogues he gets, especially um, dealing with uh, Reed Richards' son. Who's I'm forgive me, but I cannot remember his name. I don't know why I can never remember that kid's name. Uh, yeah, and then um, oh, and then then everybody uh, then Moon Knight, Hank Pym, and Esperita they come back and rescue all the west coast avengers and it's avengers assemble again just like in the movie <laughs> and uh yeah and they're like oh it's firebird now and then she's like no i'm esperita now don't don't call me firebird i'm not firebird no more uh and yeah and then they go back in time and then they rescue uh uh mockingbird from uh oh that's right she's at this funeral which, uh for uh phantom rider which i thought was nice she killed him and then went to his funeral uh, it's very it's a very mafia thing to do <laughs> um 
then oh and then when they finally rescue mockingbird hawkeye and her have this this really loving embrace which was nice to see um and then it just ends with them going back forward in time and then that's where the next issue starts uh i really 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 like this issue it's it's just yeah this is probably my favorite issue of the whole run um yeah i just I, I love the conclusion for the mockingbird arc it's just it's the dialogue was great moon knight gets this little recap really really good issue um all right so i'm just gonna move on to west coast avengers number 24 so writer for this was also steve Englehart. penciler was al milgram anchor was mike mocklin colorist was paul beckton Letterer was Tom Orzachowski, and editor was Mark Gruenwald. In this issue, Dominus and his minions near completion on the master machine that will enslave the world. Confident that his gambit to trap the Avengers in the past was flawless, he's therefore quite shaken when the Avengers suddenly attack the base in force. Dominus sends the Desert Dwellers out to stop them, including dozens of duplicates of the artificial members Butte, Gila, and Cactus. With their team boistered by Dr. Pym, La Esperita, and Moon Knight, the Avengers easily gain the upper hand on the henchman Sunstroke. The one human of the Desert Dwellers knows when to fall back and flies up the shaft of the towering silo where Dominus, Dominus awaits. The Avengers follow, and as they near the top, they're confronted by the costume man they believe to be Dominus. The man takes the moment to explain that he's actually just a vessel through which Dominus speaks. While his race created the master machine to enslave lesser races, they didn't count on becoming enslaved themselves. Dominus is the master machine, and at that moment he's all around the Avengers built into the walls of the upper levels of the silo. Dominus blasts the Avengers with his mind-enslaving rays, completely immobilizing them, then dismisses Sunstroke to another, to another assigned location. As Dominus' vessel walks to the machine controls, gloating about his victory, he doesn't notice Moon Knight walking up and clock him. Not understanding how his enemy could still be moving, he blasts Moon Knight again. But again, Moon Knight shakes it off and pushes forward. Dominus panics, unable to comprehend how someone could resist its power. And its inability to resolve the paradox soon causes the entire machine, and by extension the base, to rumble and burst into flames as it begins to collapse. Moon Knight wisely keeps quiet about how Dominus really was enslaving his minds, but with his multiple personalities, he had minds to spare. The Avengers are freed from the effects of the machine and are able to escape the collapsing mountain. As it does, they see the core of the Dominus machine blast off into space on a rocket. The flyers of the team try to pursue, but when Wonder Man's jets stall in the upper atmosphere, Iron Man breaks off to rescue him from the fall. Wonder Man is hardly grateful, arguing that his vulnerable body would have survived the fall, and it was more important to catch Dominus. Nonetheless, the day is saved, even though Dominus and Sunstroke escaped. Later, as the Avengers finally return home, Wonder Man is ambushed by his producer's assistant, who is finally able to inform him that everyone hates his new costume. Um, this was a really good ending to the arc. It was very fun. It it, it completed. You know, it it, it made me feel satisfied. Satisfied at the end, even though the bad guy got away at the end. It it really um, yeah, it was just fun. It was the action was fun. Uh, the, the whole Dominus backstory was cool. Like I did not see that he was the machine itself. I didn't expect that at all. Um, everybody gets a really cool moment in this you know, this little uh, issue. Um, I like I like the fight where they fight fifty different versions of uh, or fifty clones of Gila, uh, uh, Cactus, and uh, Butte, <laughs> which are like the most ridiculous villains I've ever heard in my life. Like Cactus, he's a, literally a cactus, and he just throws spines and. You can't 
cut up, you cut off his arm, he grows another one. It's it's, <laughs> and then the, I like the part where uh, Tigra has like cactus spines in her. She's like, ow, ow, you know, I can't fight until I get these out. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's a really funny moment. And uh, again, we get the Iron Man Wonder Man argument while they're fighting thing, um, which uh, you know, focus on the fifty monsters you got fighting guys. It's not you know deal with your personal problems. It's go to therapy or something. Come on, guys. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, Sunstroke flies off because he's the only human. I, I guess, yeah, he's not a construct or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, and then they uh, Moon Knight. He's pretty. He does a pretty good job hacking these guys. He's an axe. He just hacks them to pieces. Pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, Esperita uses the power of God to beat sunstroke or to i guess he doesn't hurt her i guess she uses the holy flame of the holy spirit or whatever and uh he can't hurt her with his sun blasts which, and he's a pretty cool villain himself um his costume is very you know it's very different it's like he's got those wings that completely go from his arm to his leg uh, he's like almost like a uh, butterfly not butterfly but like a i don't know how it's like a like a flying squirrel or something <laughs> um it's pretty cool uh and then he flies it, yeah it was about the part was, i thought this part was funny where he he flies up this like shaft with this like spiral staircase and they're huffing and puffing up the staircase trying to run hawkeye's like i'm tired i'm getting up can't, i can't i can't do this much more <laughs> um uh, it's pretty good um and then they get up to the top pretty cool they fight dominus he kind of pops out on him um the whole and then he has his whole little he does his blast them with their little his little mind control ray thing um and then he you know does this little he, he starts monologuing and uh uh which you know i like you know i was pretty it's funny watching them like all dumbstruck and then moon knight's like yep i got this walks up and like clocks him <laughs> uh i had actually I, I was reading it and i was uh i was like wait a minute is that moon knight moving there and then he clocks him i was like oh shit <laughs> pretty cool pretty cool um and then he uh blasts him again he keeps going and he's like uh then he um Really, he, he punches them, knocks them out, and then uh, that's when everything starts to explode. Um, and then, uh, you know, he can't tell them that he's not, he's got multiple personalities or whatever, but, you know, being schizophrenic, apparently, uh, he has, uh, his superpower here, you know, pretty cool. Um, you know, Moon Knight saves the day. Uh, and, you know, they all get out, and Dominus flies off on his giant pink dildo looking rocket. <laughs> shoots off into the sky and they run after him and yet again we get the moon knight i mean the iron man uh wonder man argument thing here because wonder man starts falling and because he's got uh rockets that need oxygen idiot <laughs> forgot about that little fact when you're shooting into space you know and he's moon uh iron man saves him and he doesn't even give a crap he's like i'm invulnerable why did me fall jeez it's like god have some gratitude dude um uh, I like this part where they talk about they they went back to the finally went back to the Albuquerque airport to pick up the uh, the Quinjet and it says has a little asterisk there it says where it's been accumulating parking parking charges since issue seventeen because <laughs> it's been parked there for quite a while apparently uh, it's pretty funny and then uh, and then they land and um, uh, Wonder Man's uh, you know agent guy walks up or producer. You know, and he's he's quite the uh, character. He's I don't know what these sunglasses are. They are 
like eighties throw up on this guy. <laughs> it's uh Wonder Man does his red eye thing again, which is like really disturbing to me. I don't I don't get it. But um obviously this leads right into the next uh arc or issue and with Wonder Man, you know, having to decide between his movie career and his his Avengers career and uh you know I you know, he hates how Iron Man just keeps uh you know, making fun of him and all this stuff. And uh that's what it pretty much ends right there. Yep, it ends right there. Um I yeah, this one was pretty good. I like this it was a really good ending to the arc. Um It was just it was a lot of fun to read. This whole arc was fun to read. It was uh for what was it? It was like eight eight issues for this arc and it was it it was I didn't feel like it dragged or nothing. It was a lot of fun. All the uh separate um timelines and all that stuff you if if you wrote that you could very easily make that incredibly confusing convoluted and just like tiresome but it, it didn't feel like that at all so i gotta i gotta give props to uh oh god or like steve Engelhart there he he wrote that stuff the art was always on point um it was just really good art you know <laughs> i can't uh, i can't praise it enough it uh yeah, man, it was just a good arc, you know, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I can't the only thing I can say much more about it. Just a lot of fun. I think I'm going to read more West Coast Avengers after this because uh, I think I'm sold. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's my my review, guys. Uh, I want to thank Ray for letting me be on the show, and um, yeah, thank you. Have fun, everybody. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you. Dustin Cold Case Kurtz. Thanks for that. Brilliant bit of reviewing. Uh, and Josh and Dustin, both of you guys, a lot better reviewing than, than I, <laughs> I've done. Um, as mentioned, uh, my head is a little bit uh, muddled at the moment, swimming around with a virus. Um I feel like I'm as delirious as Hawkeye was in the issue, or in the arc. Anyway, no, thanks, Dustin, and thank you, Josh, for those uh, those reviews as well. And uh, what an arc that was, eh? Lost in space-time. Uh, that certainly, certainly one worth reading, loonies. Um once uh, once midnight kicks into gear there it gets uh, it gets pretty fun indeed as a bit of a spectacle before we sign off i wanted to uh, raise the opportunity again for those loonies listening and uh, milling around in the itk community we do have a prize giveaway for our huge episode 100 coming up in uh, about early to mid june so I posted something up earlier. Um, if you haven't uh, managed to catch it, and if you just enjoy having a good old listen to the podcast, what you need to do is send in your name and postal address, and if you answer this question correctly, what material is a Moon Knight's armor made of in the Vengeance of the Moon Knight uh, run or series? So what material is Moon Knight's armor made out of in the uh, Vengeance of the Moon Knight run by uh, Greg Horitz, 
and uh, I think it's uh, Jose Pena. Anyway, I'm really sorry if I got that wrong. But um, anyway, so if you send that in, just send it to itkmoonight at gmail.com. Uh, it will go into a, a hat or something. And on the episode 100 recording day, uh, it will be drawn out of a hat. There'll be three prizes. I think all similar prizes. They're, they're just a stack of Moon Knight comics. Um, so get your entries in. We've already got a, a fair few in. That's really good to see. And uh, yeah, best of luck with that. So next phase, we will have... oh. In the episode that precedes our huge 100th episode, we have another Isla Ra. So, I believe that is a waning gibbous. Um, so, we got in touch with one of our other, uh, another loony, um, and he is Midkine Hitsuzen. And it was really great fun to, to chat with Midkine about, or as you'll hear in the episode, uh, referred to as MK, uh, appropriately enough. Uh, yeah, we, we go through his Isla Ra books. Uh, he hails from the Philippines. Um, so, yep, the ITK community is truly global, and it was really fun to go through his comics. Um, as usual, I'll encrypt them. Um, but if you want a sneaky peek uh, in the episode summary, just hit the links. Uh, they're pretty hard to come by, I believe, unless you maybe order them online because I think, well, a couple of them are local comics, but they are ripping reads. So that is in our next episode, episode 99. Now, loonies, before I sign off, the obligatory... <laughs> blurb uh you can catch us at itkmoonnight at gmail.com we have a facebook uh, page facebook.com slash itkmoonnight we have a group facebook.com slash groups slash itkmoonnight we're on twitter at itkmoonnight uh we also are on instagram tumblr youtube just search for into the night a moon night podcast we're also a proud member of the collective so you can listen to other great episodes or other great shows out there like the Inner Demons Ghost Rider podcast or Signal of Doom, a comic book podcast, or uh, the Sons of the Dragon, an Immortal Iron Fist podcast, or Defenders TV podcast. There is a whole um, pantheon of podcasts, really, really cool podcasts, and we all have the same kind of mindset of just sharing the love, so please do check them out if you can. Uh, also, iTunes ratings, it'll be great if you can drop us a review. Um, yeah, obviously be honest. Uh, if there's something that you'd like to see on the show, we're always happy to improve and to add segments. Um, we like to keep it fresh too. So uh, yeah, um, an iTunes rating will just help us get out there a bit more. So with that, loonies, I must bid you adieu and... Uh, Again, once again, a, a huge thank you to Josh Geronimo! Johnson and Dustin Cold Case Kurtz for their awesome reviews. Thanks, guys. You guys have, uh, have uh, you know, weighed in on this episode um, and fantastic reviewing as well. Always welcome. Uh, and as always, may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. Moon Knight 
and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.